0: I need to thank my friend, Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA, right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks and uh, go to RomanHome.com. Roman spelled R O A M I N. RomanHome.com. And uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you. Hey, friends. This is episode 132 of the Everyday Mealmanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans, and I am super happy that you're hanging out with me today. Um, we got a good meal tip Tuesday episode coming up for you. I uh, got a few good questions and in case you didn't know, or if you're a first time listener, I want to let you know that we are happy to answer your questions. Just send me an email, send it to Ty at com, and be sure to put in the subject line question for meal tip Tuesday and we'll try to get it on here. I do appreciate the questions. Uh, we never know what we're going to get. Um, you know, sometimes the questions are repetitive, you know, sometimes people ask the same questions, and you know, um, I could easily just refer them to a previous episode. But I like to answer the questions on here because you know as as each day passes by, I'm trying to learn and be better. So the answers I might give to a a question today may be quite a bit different than the way I answered these questions, you know, five years ago. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't be worried that, Hey, I think he's answered this question before. Um, because I might have something different. I might have something new to offer, you know, and that's something that, uh, I kind of want to mention today is, you know, w- w- when you know better, you can do better. Um, <clears throat> and I really like that quote. I don't know who said it first, but when you know better, you can do better. And, uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, a lady that came to our clinic recently about, um, you know, how we've changed over the past few years. Uh, the last time she had been to my clinic was in 2016 in Jacksboro, Texas, and she just joined us this past week in Lubbock. And I'm going to talk more about her, um, probably on the, on the debrief, you know, but, uh, you know, she said, wow, your clinic's quite a bit different. I said, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a, a long time. It's been five years since you rode with me. And I mean, five years, I mean, think of all the, the mules and the horses I've been able to work with and see in the past five years. It's incredible. You know, um, if you just do some rough math on average, we get about 500, uh, 500 to 600, mules, horses, donkeys come through the clinics every year. Um, so if you just took 500 year times so five, that's 2,500 animals that I've been able to work with in the past five years, just at clinics alone, not to mention all the mules that we've owned. Um, you know, we've, we've bought a lot of mules, worked a lot of mules, sold a lot of mules. Um, I haven't done much for training for the public though in the last five years. Um, So that has changed a little bit, you know, where before that, that is primarily what I did, uh, much more so than the clinics. Right. And, uh, uh, so I used to actually work with a lot more, um, individual animals. However, now, uh, I get to work with all these amazing animals each week and, and different problems, different things, different issues come up and, you know, so every, every time I get an opportunity to work with another animal. It should be different than the last one I worked with because I should know more. So if I'm working mules the same way right now as I was a year ago, I haven't improved, or I haven't applied it. If I have improved at all, because I know better now. And uh, a lot of times I tell the folks in the clinics, "Hey, you guys have you guys have come to this clinic. You have." Received a lot of new information Uh, because I try to put out a lot of information in my clinics and especially the clinics where people are really good about asking questions. Man, we can put out a lot of information. And, uh, but I tell them, hey, now you guys know these things. Now you know better. Therefore, now you can do better. So every mule I ride and every day I ride, I should be able to ride better today than I did yesterday. I should be better with my skills, both in the saddle and on the ground and in building relationships with those animals. I should be better. I can do better because I know better. That's really important. You know, I um, we just we just got home from our fall clinic tour. We only have one clinic left this year, as of this recording, that is. Um, we've got a clinic coming up next week here in Utah, our extreme trail riding clinic. And that's kind of a highlight clinic to end the year uh, and our our 2021 clinic season. But, you know, um, just getting back, we just did 10 clinics in a row. We went from, let's see where we go. We went to Colorado, uh, Nebraska, North Dakota, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Indiana, Iowa, and Texas. So we just did that the last ten weeks. So we went all the way east and all the way back, and I kind of this this ten weeks for me went by really quick. Now, Sky, my wife, may disagree with that. Her and the girls might disagree. It might have been a long time for them, but for me, it went by just rapid fast. But one thing I tried to do was keep track of how I taught the classes. Um, I've never really had a uh a curriculum necessarily other than the checklist. I mean the checklist is always there. So in the clinics, um I'm gonna present our quote checklist to you in some form or, no- or another. But um I don't I don't teach the classes exactly the same. Um we don't always do the same things. We don't always get as far as the last, you know, or sometimes we get farther than the last. Uh, it changes, but I kept track this fall, and um, each clinic I tried to really think about what I what I liked and what went well, and then and also what didn't go well, what went wrong, what things happened that I was disappointed in or I didn't like or that didn't fit um, didn't fit what we're trying to present at our clinics. And I try to adjust each one, I try to do the next one better. That was really hard. Um, if you guys listen to this podcast regularly, then you will have heard a lot of my clinic debriefs, and uh, those debriefs have actually been just fantastic for me personally to talk about the clinics from my perspective, just just me, just my perspective. Um, in the debriefs, I'm not necessarily trying to. I'm not necessarily trying to teach you anything, although there's always lessons in them, but it's just a way for me to kind of decompress, debrief, talk about what happened, goods, bads, whatever, and try to be better. So, um, but they've been good for me because I've been able to think about these clinics and try to be better every, every week. Think about how I worked with mules and go, oh, I wish I didn't do that. Or I mean, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have said this sooner. I wish I would have said that later, (laughs) you know, uh, they've been good and, um, you can do the same thing, uh, in each of your rides. Um, I used to do this when I trained for the public a lot. At the end of the day, I would think about how things went. I would, you know, and and when I was training for the public too, I kept really good records. And so I'd come in from riding all day and back in them days, they were 16 and hour days. They were, they were, uh, long days in the saddle i mean i would i would be saddling up at at 30, 6 a.m and i wouldn't be getting out of that saddle um you know i wouldn't be putting anything away shoot until you know 9 10 at night sometimes later than that even um, they were busy days but whenever i got done each day i would go into my little had a little desk in my tack room. I'd sit down there, pull out all my paperwork, and I'd I'd write down what I did with each mule, and I'd write down um, on my little whiteboard maybe what I wanted to do tomorrow. And at the end of these days, I, this was just quick. I didn't spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about each animal. Like I didn't sit there for you know in 5 minutes a piece you know cuz that would add a couple more hours into my day but just really quickly just a few seconds on each each mule each horse or each donkey i'd write down what i did and what i want to do tomorrow and it was another great way to kind of decompress there a little bit and debrief of sorts and as you work you could kind of do the same thing now you don't necessarily need to keep records of your own animal although um you might be really glad that you did keep some records of your animals. It's really fun to look back. If you're keeping track of what you're doing with each of your animals, each day that you work or you you ride, you look back, um, and you know, a, a year from now, you'll see how things are going and you say, wow, that's pretty neat. I've, I've actually made a lot of progress. Um, you know, when you work them regularly and you ride and, and, and do these things on a regular basis, it's kind of hard to see the the big changes. You don't really see these big changes in. For a lot of people, um, they come to the clinics, and I haven't seen them since last year or the year before. Sometimes it's one or two years, three years. Um, I say, "Wow that that meal's looking really good. You've done a good job." And they they go, "Really?" And I say, "Yeah, you've done great." They say, oh, "I just go day by day, and it, you know, it's kind of hard to see that. It's kind of like, um, you know, we're gone. We were just gone ten weeks, like I mentioned earlier." And the girls, you know, uh, if any of you have raised children, um, then you know how quick they can they can grow. Oh my gosh, uh, it seems like we're buying new shoes just all the time. Uh, they're growing out of their shoes, growing out of their clothes. But um, but you, you know, you don't really see the changes. Like it doesn't seem like anything changed to you. And then you get home, like we got home, and and uh, my parents came to visit, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, Ellie and Swayze, you guys have grown." And they go really (laughs) yeah and uh sometimes your your mulemanship is is the same way where you won't really notice all the great things and the changes that you have made um until you know i show up and and tell you um i had one guy come to a clinic this fall and um I was, I, he was there last year as well. And I, and I kind of mentioned how much progress he, man, you're looking really good, man. You're, you're looking great. Um, your mule's looking awesome. You know, I give him some compliments and I told him and he said, I totally forgot about my mule being scared of the crowd. Last year he'd ride past the audience and maybe they would clap or something. And that mule was scared to death of that. And I said, do you remember that? He's like, oh, I forgot about that. His mule is totally cool now. And, uh, sometimes we forget. So it's good to keep those records so you can reflect back. But bottom line is when you know better, you can do better. And now that you have come to these clinics, now that, now you've listened to these podcasts, you've watched videos, you know, or maybe you've watched our video library. Maybe you've read all those many articles that I've put out there for you. You know, you know better now. So now go do better. And that's kind of my, uh. My tip for you today is: when you know better, you can do better. Now go be better. Um, let's dive into some of these questions here. Um, first question, uh, and this is a follow-up question from when we answered—I don't know how long ago—but um, about wheeling mules. This is from Susie Tipton. Hi, I wrote you about my wheeling Molly mule uh, before, and I and I did put her back with the gilding, adding. My old Molly, and then letting her go out into the big field with several others for an afternoon at a time. Um, My mom is trying to be helpful, has let the Molly overpower her several times on the lead line, and also she has bullied her way past her out the gate. Opal is now quite pushy on the ground. I have watched your wheeling videos, and I am right on track as far as pushing her out of my space, avoiding letting her pet me. She is very pushy with the other equines. She moves my old Molly around and round uh I have removed the old Molly and put in somewhat put in a somewhat dominant gilding, but although he plays and tries to bully her, she butts right up to him and holds her down holds her own uh, she is incredibly bold in that she will go off exploring on her own um, is this normal for mule weanlings um she goes on to kind of talk about, um, everything else kind of going on. Uh, so, okay. Let's dive into this Susie here. Um, okay. First of all, I just want you all to know, you know, these weanlings, they're just babies. So we do need to set up some good standards. Yeah. They can't be pushing you. Okay. But that's pretty simple with a weanling. Just don't, don't let them push on you. Don't give them anything to push on. Therefore, don't push on them. So she kind of made a comment here, um, that she pushes her out of her space. Uh, don't push that mule. You you can drive the mule out. Uh, you can lead the mule away, but don't push them away. I'm not going to get physical and, and push the animal. Um, I don't I don't want to give the mule anything to push back on. Um, now she kind of went on to talk a little bit about the leading, and I'll say this about these these babies. Um, we just barely picked up a weanling. Her name is Rain. Uh, in fact, I think, shoot, her uh, birthday might be today or tomorrow. I can't I can't remember, or not her birthday, uh, but her uh, the day of the month she was born. So she's going on five months, like right now. She's about five months old. Okay, and uh, we got we picked her up. Now, she doesn't know how to lead at all, but she's very willing to follow. Uh, The key here is to not pull on the mule. Um, So, for example, we wanted to load her up in the trailer. We got it all on film. We're going to post this on the video library and some stuff coming up soon. But, you know, she just followed us right in the trailer, followed us right out of the trailer, Um, very, very interested and keen in us. Um, But I'm not dragging the mule around at all. Now, before I ever get the meal actually leading well, I will do my groundwork. All the groundwork checklist—you can do it. Um, particularly steps one through four. If you don't know what those are, go to my video library, click on groundwork checklist. But steps one through four—that's pretty much all you need to teach a weanling. Very basic stuff. Very simple stuff. And um, you know, do do less. So if this if this Molly is real prone to come push you, I might just, I might just interact with her outside of the corral. For example, I'll come up to the corral, Susie, and if this youngster gets real pushy and I'm outside of the pen, well, I can just, I can just kind of back away. Uh, the pen stops her from pushing me. I don't, therefore I don't have to drive her back. So I might just interact with her between the fence like that. I might not actually go in there sometimes you go in there and they, they get to pushing you around a little too much. Um, I would recommend when you do go in there, uh, you know, if you're having problems, it sounds like you have problems going out to the pasture, uh, going out the gate. Um, you know, I, I, I maybe wouldn't go out the gate. I might go in there and just do a little bit of my groundwork right there in the crowd. And I might not take her out the gate. um, you you might you might want to be very careful about how you're dealing with the weanling though. So you don't want to have to get really loud to drive them off. I don't I don't want to have to get super loud, super busy with a, a rope or something or a flag to drive that foal off because I, I would like that foal to kind of be really interested in me. And if you go in there and you fight with this thing every time, or you're you're kind of getting getting heavy, driving it off, pushing it off uh you're kind of you're kind of ruining what your end goal is you're kind of doing something that will not help you achieve your end goal rather so i might back off it doesn't hurt you at all to not go work with this weanling for a month or two leave it out there with the rest of the herd and by the way don't worry about it picking or being picked on the weanling can hold her own that's great so don't worry about it out there with those other animals I, I might, I might not even, I might not even work with her for a month or two. Um, you know, one of the things that is both a pro and a con with what I do for a living is I, I leave for these long stretches of time. I don't get to work with my mules, So I was just gone 10 weeks. So, uh, two and a half months I was just gone and I was gone a little bit before that on a pack trip. So really I've been gone 11 weeks and, uh, and the week right before that, I had a big private clinic here at my house, and I was busy. So, I I went basically twelve weeks without working any of my uh, my mules at home. I only took three of them with me. Um, so I had all these other mules at home. I didn't touch them. I mean, they didn't get you. They didn't get caught. They didn't get n- nothing done. Uh, and uh, it's just, it, it's great. I get home and they're a little bit fresh and, and they're still friendly and all mine are easy to catch, um, for the most part. And, uh, so with this weanling Susie, I might just put her out in the herd, no touch her for another month or two. Um, besides those other animals they are going to teach her more than you can. Anyways, those skills are really important that they learn how to move and be moved. And you kind of go let all that just happen. Um, and then, and then go, go work her in a couple months and just do a little bit. But bottom line, I would say Susie is don't worry too much about, about how things are going with the wheeling right now. Just keep making small adjustments so that your end goal is what's in the sights. That is the most important thing. Remember your end goal. What do you want? When I work my weanlings, my weanlings, I picture them as future bridal mules someday. So they are going to be the best of the best, or I should say the best of what I can do. That's how I picture them, and that's my goal. So everything I do needs to be able to help me achieve that. When you guys are working with your mules, be sure, and this, is, this isn't this is just for wheelings. this is for anything. This is for anything at any age, okay? Be sure that what you're doing to, quote, create, uh, you know, uh, what you're doing to correct this behavior you don't like. Make sure that it's, it's fitting your end goals because sometimes we do things to, you know, like I said, quote, uh, correct the behavior that does not help us in the end. In fact, it's making our end goal more difficult. So be sure that whatever you're doing is helping you achieve that end goal. That's really important, so keep that in mind hey we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back uh i got a couple more really good questions i want to talk about so we'll catch you then hey i want to thank our amazing sponsors at mules and more magazine mules and more has been around a long time it's a great magazine and uh shoot i've been reading this magazine since i was just a little kid i remember my dad subscribed to this when i was little and I'd read it every month and loved it, and now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years, and she has done an amazing job. Um, also, did you know that Mulesmore comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So, hey, be sure to check them out, Mulesmore.com. and, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mulesmore.com. All right, we are back with the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. We're doing a Mule Tip Tuesday episode. Um, We've got some great questions coming up. And remember, if you have a question, send us us that question. Send me an email, ty at tsmules.com. We're happy to answer it for you, okay? So the next question on the list here uh, comes from Rhonda Harper Mills. Now, this is a question she posted on Facebook. Um, And... I thought it would be a good topic to discuss here on the podcast. So, and I agree, this is a great topic. Here's the question. Uh, I have a mule that's been a driving mule for quite a few years. She's easy to be around, but when I'm riding and want her to move forward a little faster, she really makes me work for it. I'm trying to figure out if I should use a crop or spurs. Teach voice commands in the round pen? Question mark. I've tried kicking and it's like she doesn't even feel me most of the time. Okay, Rhonda. Let me let me uh, kind of break this down for you. Number one, um, there's a big difference in getting forward motion for a riding mule or a driving mule in the beginning. I'm talking about when you when you start these two. Okay, I'm not an expert in the driving mule world at all. I've driven a little bit. Um, I've been around it. Um, Maybe I've been around it more than the average mule rider um but i'm not I'm not an expert at it, so I'm not claiming to be on the driving thing, but I do know that it is much easier to get forward motion from a mule when you are driving them behind a buggy or a cart or something than it is to get forward motion in the saddle um this the the reason is it's easier for you to kind of utilize the flight response from the mule when you are just driving them. Uh, voice commands, and this is part of the question, but voice commands are the primary good deal. So, you know, you've heard me talk about, give them a good deal all the time, then firm up as needed. Um, when you're driving them, that feel that we're talking about, um, when we're riding, it it kind of it, it's not the same, and it doesn't really exist the same in the driving as it does in the riding. Um, so you can't really present a a good deal so much physically, but you can give them a good deal through voice commands. And but that can be that can still be quite a bit of pressure. I've I've been around a lot of people that drive, and a lot of them just holler at their mules to start off with, like it's a real loud boom from their voice. And you've heard me talk about this in previous episodes. Voice can be a very firming up signal. Okay. But that's the, maybe the first thing they got was that, that voice there. Okay. And then when they didn't respond to the voice, um, then they usually get a buggy whip on the rump. Um, or maybe a slap of the reins on the rump. That's how they would firm up. And anyways, but from behind them like that, you you kind of utilize the flight instinct, that flight response, and you kind of get that forward motion, um, long story short, by kind of spooking them into it. You, you can do this, okay? Uh, I'm not saying that's how you should do it, but I'm saying this is how a lot of people get forward motion when they drive, all right? I'm not saying that's how they should do it. I'm just saying that's how sometimes it just ends up being that way. Now, what I'm trying to build, because my primary goal is to make bridal mules. I, I want right, good saddle mules. All right. I want to build a feel. Um, now, the good deal that we present to the mule to move or to, to do anything is is our thought, really. You, you think first, or at least you should. You think first about where you want to go, what you want to do. And... I don't know. Uh, I tell folks, I'm not saying they can read your mind. I'm not saying they can't, but when you think about something, I don't know, it, it may actually be your thought. It may be what your body does that, you know, what they feel your body do, but it, you offer that good deal of your thought where you want to go first. And maybe a little shift of the seat, maybe a, just a little fill of the rain, but it, you, you try to ask them really lightly to, to do something. And then, when they don't go then you firm up and, and you drive them you drive them with your legs right you maybe you do a bit more with your rein um but you you can do more that way and and there just like the driving whether you realize it or not you are kind of utilizing a little bit of, of that flight response just a little of it now you don't you you usually don't have the ability to spook them into some forward motion as easily as you can when you drive because you're not behind them you're You're on top of them and you don't have this driving factor, the hurting factor to go with it there. Um, So now that you're taking a mule that has been driven and taught to drive and you're trying to get it to be a ride mule. The one thing you're going to have to teach is this feel. So, for example, um, the groundwork to build a feel on the ground. We go through our very, very first step of the checklist on the ground, which is clearing the front. Now, if you guys, I mentioned the checklist already in this podcast, but you can go on our video library and see the groundwork checklist. Um, And, uh, you know, the very first step, clearing the front. You you do this by offering the mule a good deal. You kind of point your rein where you want them to go without pulling on it. So without putting tension in the rein, you just kind of point. So you have a slack rein, you're pointing where you want the mule to go eventually you'll be able to get them to go there. So you start building it like that. So you're thinking about moving and you can get them to go. Now, to get to the saddle work, when you're wanting this mule to move in the saddle, and this is this is probably, you guys, this is probably the, the most um, common mistake I see with people riding mules all over the world. I'm not just talking about certain regions or certain countries, but all over, this is what I see is lack of true forward motion. People don't move their mules correctly or enough or do a good job at it. Um, You got to move them. You got to get them going. You got to get them going. Um, So let's take it back to Colt Starting 101, which is basically what you have going here. Okay. When you're doing your first ride ever, okay, I want you to be able to break this down for the mule to teach them that it's okay to go and move. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to just think about moving. I don't care how fast. I don't care if the mule lopes out of its tracks. I don't care if it trots. I don't care if it walks its slowest walk. I don't care. I just want it to move. So what I'll do is I'll come in there with my legs. I'm going to bump with my calves, both sides evenly. Bump, 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 bump. I'm thinking about where I want to go. The second the mule takes a single step, even one little step, I stop bumping instantly. But I still think about going. All right. And maybe when you quit kicking, the mule just stops. That's all right. Let the mule come to a complete stop. So let's say it it just takes a step and then it's kind of really slowly moving. Don't babysit this mule. Don't bump it until it is completely stopped. You have a loose rein. You're not trying to steer the mule. You're not trying to tell them to go one way or the other. You're just saying go. Just move your feet. I don't care how fast. You can lope. Take off running. Go ahead or walk your slowest walk. I don't care. Just move. So you go again. You bump, 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 bump. The mule takes another step. Stop bumping, but keep thinking about walking or keep thinking about just moving, okay? You keep this up. And recently I had a a friend in Virginia, Ray Lockhart, that I give him a challenge. I can't remember exactly the time limit, but I said, I want you to do this and have somebody just time you until you can move like 30 seconds. I can't remember what it was, but like 30 seconds. And And then take it to 35 seconds and then take it to a minute. But you keep going through this, until maybe you can just walk 30 seconds without having to bump them. Now, it might take you an hour to get to where you can ride this meal for 30 seconds without bumping it, okay? And you build day after day. The point is, I don't want you to have to babysit and even kick this meal. So you're asking about trying to get this meal to go faster. But likely, if, if your meal's that dull to your legs, you're having a hard time just getting it to go at all. So I would break it down and just teach it to, that it's okay to go, to move. By the way, like I said, don't pull on them. Don't try to lead them anywhere. Uh, don't try to drag them anywhere. Just get them to move. And don't restrict the mule if it moves fast. Because I see people that are they're trying to get the mule to go, 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 go. And then it finally gets going, maybe it lopes off. Maybe it trots off. And then they pull, 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 pull because that's too fast for them. Don't worry about how fast they go. Just let them move. I'll keep building this. Eventually, to to work on that speed, you know, after you can get them to go a certain amount of time um, without you having to babysit. So maybe you can finally walk for five minutes without having to bump them or keep them moving. You can finally just walk for five minutes. Then you come in there and you add just a little bit more and you set the standard now at a medium walk. And then later you set the standard at a fast walk and you do the same thing. You get them walking in that fast walk. So you get them to that point. As soon as they're walking in that fast walk, you stop bumping. You let them go all the way back down. Don't don't try to rescue them when they're slowing down let them fail, let them go back down to that slow walk, and then bump, 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 get in there again, get them walking fast, leave them alone. So you don't want to have to babysit them with those legs. Now, some of you may think, thinking, well, you haven't even got to her question, because her question was really only, um, should I use a crop or spurs? Uh, Neither of those things are going to help you, Rhonda. Um, I recommend, I do recommend wearing spurs over using a crop, because. I'm busy with my hands. I'm going to be roping off my mule someday. I like to have two hands available to, to direct the mule when it comes up here. Um, so I, I've never been a fan of using a crop, uh, but I will wear spurs, and spurs are fine. That might help you if the mule's really dead sided. But remember, you can get them just as dull wearing a spur. And um, make sure when you use if you are going to use spurs, you use some good quality spurs. None of these blunt, um, you know, these blunt ends. you need to have a nice row that will deflect some of your bumping. That's the point of a row is so that you don't directly kick them and dig in. So you see some of these these ball end spurs, these blunt points. none of those. that's that's way too severe. Uh, you don't need that. Just use a nice row. Um, you want to use a row with a, a bigger row with really close, um, tips, or really close—I can't remember the proper name for them right now. My bl- my brain's going blank on me. But you, you you don't want all the the tines of the spur to be far apart. You want them really close. Um, that way you don't hurt the animal. But the point of that row is to deflect your your hit, because we all know that we do too much, way too often. Um, and as far as voice commands. That might help you because the mule may be used to voice commands. So you can go ahead and use them. Um, Rhonda, I, I don't know if, I can't remember if you've been to one of my clinics or not. Um, off the top of my head. I. But, you know, uh, we don't really teach voice commands in the clinics. I don't really uh, talk much about that Um because I'm trying to build a feel here. I want you to be able to be just a, just a mute and be able to ride your mule, okay? So that's how i'm going to go about building this forward motion hope that helps you okay uh our last question comes from beth weaver any ideas for how to get jolene to leave the barnyard right now what i do is saddle her up do the groundwork and start to ride then she gets about to the driveway and won't go any further so what i've been doing is just get off her lead her about halfway as far as i was going to ride i can tell by her breathing that she's anxious then when I'm starting back home, I get on and she carries me fine. In fact, we have to work on slow down then. My question is, will she learn to trust me and let me ride her? Or am I going to always hike part way? If another horse comes, she's not as sticky about leaving, but she still doesn't want much—want too much. Okay, Beth. Um, let me tell you about how I would go about doing this. Um, I'm not going to say what you're doing is wrong. But let me tell you what I would do that would, that has helped me a whole bunch on leaving. Now, the point is to make the right thing as easy as possible. So make it easy to go. And to do this, you may have to make the barnyard less desirable. Now, no matter what you do at the end of your ride, you're going to go back to the barn and unsaddle and put her away. So really just focus on making it really easy to go out. This is how I would break it down if it was my horse or my mule. First thing I would do is just begin my ride. And I'm just starting to leave the barn, okay? And the second, I feel tension from the mule or the horse. As soon as I feel them just hesitating to to keep walking forward at all, I'm going to turn them back around. I'm going to ride back to the barn, and I'm just going to do a simple little exercise. Basically, I'm just going to go up my checklist right there at the barn. So I go. Uh, I just rode out. I was only able to get five feet from the barn. Okay, turn around. I felt some hesitation, so I turn around. I'm going to ride back, and I'm just going to start my centered serpentines. And I just do some serpentines right by the barn. You're not working. You're not trying to, trying to hustle her. You're not trying to punish her. You're just going to go through your simple checklist and try to get as good as you can. Remember, don't focus on punishing the animal and don't use these good moves to punish an animal. Just use it to get their mind back to you, redirect it, and focus on building some good pieces. So let's say I do serpentines for just a few moments. I'm going to start my ride out again. This time I can make it, say, 10 feet. And then I feel the hesitation. I feel the tension. So I'm going to turn... The mule back around, turn the horse back around, ride back to the barn, and I'm going to work on the next piece of the checklist. The next piece would be rolling the hinds, returning to the circle. So I go down there. I spend maybe five minutes just just rolling the hinds, going back to my circle, rolling the hinds, going back to my circle. And I do that over and over, Beth. Okay. Then I'm going to turn and I'm going to ride back out again. This time, let's just say I get 15 foot. All right, and I'm going to go back to the barn. Now, I got 15 foot. I felt hesitation. I go back to the barn. Now, one of the keys here to check on is when you feel the hesitation, make sure that you say, hey, I see that you're worried. We're going to take you back. Now, you got to give them a little. This, this will really help them more than you trying to make them go out there or even getting off and trying to lead them out there. Say, hey, I notice that this bothers you. No problem. Let's go back to the barn we can do. I can do just as good of work, guys, at my barn as I can out on the trail or out in the cow pasture or out on the road. OK, so I ride back. Basically, I'm going to stretch this rubber band and how I know when. I can end this little session is when I turn around, when I finally turn around. They don't have this huge dying urge to run back because you mentioned here you have to slow her down on the way back. That is just as bad as her not wanting to leave. So if I get this huge rush to go back, okay, I'm, I know I'm not ready to be done yet. And you, you work with this. So it might take you a couple of days just to get 100 foot down the road. Um, you know, you do a little each time. That's how I'd build this. Do the same thing out on the trail. Same thing when you a lot of you leave your trailers and they do the same thing and then they want to rush back to the trailer. This is how I'd handle it. When you can ride back to your home, to the barn, back to your trailer, without feeling that huge surge of energy, you know your meal's with you. Now, that takes a long time. Okay, It's not something that you just get to have right now or this week or even this month. It takes a long time, but... That's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna build it. So I didn't really answer your question, because you said my question is: Will she learn to trust me and let me ride her? Or am I going to have to always hike part way? See, it's it, It's not even about all that. It's just about helping that animal find comfort. And sometimes we just push them into it too much, and where it seems like, you know, in their minds, maybe they'll, you know. It, it's just too dangerous out there for them it's just too hard for them to leave and we're not really seeing it and we're not setting up to help them so anyways beth that's what i would do is i would just break it down to small pieces and help that horse find some confidence that's kind of the main goal right there so anyways these have been some fantastic questions today you guys some great questions i really appreciate you sending these questions in. Um, Susie, Rhonda, and Beth, I would love to hear, uh, what you have to say after listening to this this episode here and these answers, um, love to hear from you guys. And Hey, if, if you've, uh, if you guys have enjoyed all of you, if you've en- enjoyed listening to this podcast, uh, I would be really grateful if you would leave me a review. If you listen on Apple podcast, just you can hit the five star button if you think we deserve it. And, uh, Write up what you think. Tell me what your thoughts are. Um, if you guys listen on any of the other platforms, you know there's not a lot of ways for you to leave review, but I would love it if you would maybe take a screenshot of your favorite episode and post it on Facebook or Instagram and tag us in it uh, and and share the share the word. I appreciate it, you guys. So hey, uh, until next time, God bless you, and we will see you down the road.